Welcome to the Greenway Outdoors podcast. The Greenway Outdoors is also an internationally syndicated TV show on Pursuit Channel and Wild TV. You are now tuned into our weekly podcast hosted by executive producer Kyle Green, production coordinator Jeff Hutchinson, director AJ Beadle, and creative producer Ryan Parks. We live in a world where our natural resources are almost solely protected by funds raised by hunters and fishermen. With over 60% of those funds coming from white males over the age of 55, the Green Bay Outdoors team has set out on a mission to create content that would inspire millennials, Generation Z, and new sportsmen and women to get out, hunt, fish, and contribute towards conservation and the betterment of our planet. Welcome to the Green Bay Outdoors. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Greenway Outdoors podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Jeff. I'm AJ. I'm Ryan. Likely story. You Every time. Say Every else. time. Every time we introduce ourselves, he's got to say something <laughs> yeah. dumb. Yeah, that is his real name. <laughs> Today, we're actually going to talk about a few different topics. No, we're not. One of... Number one, we're going to talk about the phone call that I just had prior to walking in here. And that is he has with, one phone call, and now we all have to praise yeah. Jeffrey. He did a little work. Bow down. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, I spoke to Tom from Swamp Apes, which is the guy who's taking the <laughs> side. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop right Swamp there. Sounds like a what? species I told you what, what there was. There's a guy named Tom, and he is from Swamp Apes. That is a is quite nonprofit. <laughs> it's a talent agency. It's a non, they don't do well. It's a nonprofit in Florida that coordinates like veterans and volunteers, and they go out and do hunts for like different cool things Swamp and we're baby. going with them to hunt for burmese python you're all welcome uh, oh you locked down the python down. yeah okay so lock that down and i said while we're there we're also looking to do a fishing trip he said well if you guys are interested in anything else we also do other cool stuff like <laughs> like what <laughs> and he is setting us up on an iguana hunt so iguana. that's so cool. Yeah. What? That's really cool. Iguana. An iguana hunt? Can you iguana eat those? hunt? Yeah. Now the problem was because I said, you know, with the snake, we're looking to eat it, and he said, "Well, you can't." I said, "I looked it up online. You can eat snake." They that's said, great. "Well, they said that that Burmese uh, python, you can eat it, but it has high levels of mercury because it's a like a predator." Um, but I read that like you know you can still eat it just right. once or twice a year or something like that, like whitefish. Just well, don't be why risk it. You just yeah. talk a little funny after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, no, he said, around. But he goes, <laughs> "No, go back in, a couple reading levels in the Everglades, <laughs> the way they're." food chain or whatever is set up you cannot eat them there is so much mercury in them that it will mess you up specifically you, you the ones in the Everglades. yes Got yeah them. um so he goes you can't eat those i go well what could we do with them he goes well we could take them and do something with the skin or the body and you could do that and that could be your your cooking segment and it's oh, invasive i can, I can species, already see so my you're boots. not really wasting it because you're trying to help the ecosystem by getting rid of them because they were put in by people who just didn't want their pet snake anymore so they just put them in the everglades but they can live there so they did well and they, they didn't just live there thing. they thrived and yeah. they've literally yeah. decimated the it's ecosystem because like they eat everything it's like a the big problem a yeah. big one will literally eat like alligators Cow. are they Orion. poisonous they're not no. poisonous they're not poisonous they're, they're, they just like, crush you to death yeah what we'd like to do is get a scene of the actual ingestion so we're gonna have one eat you with it, and you'll Me? just have a camera, like an Ace Ventura. I think, I think a guy tried that. They like yeah. put him in some like body armor, and he like he died. started eating. On, <laughs> no, he didn't die. He, they, didn't he they die? started eating on his head, and he's like, nope, nope, pull me no, out. No. Wow, it's kind of off topic, but there's a lot of stories of farmers actually like falling down and like breaking their leg and stuff like that, and then they fall down, break their leg, and the the 
the pigs eat them. Like pigs, pigs are, yeah, yeah. pigs. Will pigs. Just, like you cats. slow down enough, and a pig will eat They'll eat you. the bones. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, there will be nothing left. There's people that snow goose hunt, and what they'll do is with snow goose is it's thought of as not of not as good of a table fare as like a mallet or something like that. But they obviously need to kill them because of the numbers. Otherwise, you didn't listen to the other podcast where I explained that, which yeah. means you need oh to go back gosh. and listen to episode three right now. But do it. But with that, they'll actually um, take the snow goose and they'll toss the whole thing in to the pig to feed the pigs, mm-hmm. and they'll eat the feathers and the eyes and the head and everything. They're yeah. Just- well, my dad grew up on a farm, and he was he would talk about that. They just. They'd pick one, rip it to shreds, eat it, and you then can't even lay down the next one. <laughs> you can't even lay down around them, and they'll get you. Yeah. So we're hunting iguanas. Um, mm. So they, they said so that's that. happening. So, so what he said was, he goes, well, if you guys have any other hunts you want to do, um, and you want one where you can eat it, we, we do hunt iguana. That's so cool. Well, I don't, I don't know that Kyle would want to do that because his like, first pet was an iguana. Rex. That's a loser uh, pet. Yeah. <laughs> You're a loser pet. Actually, <laughs> it was a rescue. My dad was at a shop. Oh, a and rescue some, in Michigan? No, listen to the story. Okay. <laughs> Iguana. I, how did you like the story that you didn't hear yet? So what, <laughs> Rescued it from the woods. <laughs> no, what happened was um, my dad was at his work, and there was a package sent to the the, uh, the work or whatever, and they opened it up, and there was like a half-dead iguana in it, um, and like they found it. And it's like, I don't know, someone did it as a joke <laughs> or like tried to hide a pet or like ship it somewhere or whatever it was. My dad owned a company that was inside another company. The package went to that other company, and he found it and then brought it home, and then that was our pet. That's the story he told us. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you'd, you'd think that, like, uh, a rescue like that, you would either just <clears throat> put it out of its misery because it's in so much pain and sad and hasn't eaten, mm-hmm. or you'd give it to someone who'd take care of it, but right. instead his dad gave it to Kyle. So. Yeah. Actually, a cool thing about <laughs> We won't disclose what happened after that. A cool yeah. thing about iguanas, though, is um, they are their behavior is based upon their food. So if you feed them meat, they're real aggressive. And if you feed them like vegetables and things like that, they're they're, they're sweethearts. They're just passive aggressive. Which is weird because ours was never a sweetheart. They're like a woman. But we fed them vegetables. (laughs) I don't think (laughs) it. It ate a lot of dandelions. Interesting. Yeah, we we picked the dandelion, the flowers of the dandelion. Well, people eat dandelions in their salad. Read a yeah, book. I, I know that. Watch <laughs> I, a movie. I correct Ryan like you didn't know, but he's like, I knew, I, I, I know this. That's like something I know. So yeah, but we are uh, we're going to do a hunt for. What iguana. do they taste like? Is it like a, I picture a, a meat similar to rabbit for whatever he, reason? Probably. He said that, and I said, well, I'll have to get back to you, but that definitely sounds interesting. So I don't know. What really, do you, mean? you said you get, you get back to him. That's like a smoking well, hot know. girl coming up we and be like, have, "Are you interested?" And you're like, have, "Oh, I don't know." I'll let you we know. We got four days to be there, so I don't know if we'll be able to make it fit. It sounds like yeah, we're so going to we make have it fit. One day to do Python and three days taking out iguanas. Yeah. That's what I mean. yeah. <laughs> okay. I and soaking up the no, sun. I'm just excited yeah. for my Python cowboy hat. That's which, what I'm going to get. Which apparently is in the cards now because that's the only way we can utilize the meat. I'll take yeah. a belt. Yeah. yeah, but we have a, a setup belt? with yeah. a taxidermist and we, we got a lot of stuff set up. So yeah, didn't you have someone, it. like a scientist or something coming uh-huh. up? There's a scientist who's going to come meet us. going to talk about the science of invasive scientist? species and other things. You're kind of like a, a new man today. You're kicking booty, booking all this stuff. Nice. Good You're for you. make me a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get into our first actual topic. Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, Jeff and I have been on a lot of risky trips in our life. And uh, about to go on most an, of them. <laughs> about to go on another one with the bear hunt, which we'll be talking about the bear hunt later on. But there was a guy in Switzerland. He was a tourist from Florida that actually went off a four thousand foot mountaintop, and he was doing uh, uh, hang gliding. And oh. what happened was, um, when they took off, and this is like one of my biggest fears, they took off, and when they took off, he wasn't completely attached. 
So you look at the video right now, you can <laughs> see it. See, well, right, right here. Taking he's off. attached to he himself. He just realized it. The guy in the plaid, he's, he's like. He's attached to himself. You look at the other guy, he's attached to the glider. That guy's just got his clip attached <laughs> to his <laughs> own back first. <laughs> and so my man <laughs> is hanging off, and he's at 4,000 feet. Oh, he'll just swoop down. No wow. big deal. He, he gets it, to 4,000 feet. That's the thing is, I was thought, like, I'd be in a hurry to get to the ground, but the fact that he got to uh, the ground in two minutes apparently was a big thing. But he's Hold, hold he, me. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine the, the panic that would ensue? And I, I'm getting like, you watch this video and my heart starts skipping a beat. But yeah, so this guy, 4,000 foot he was up, and he wasn't attached to the hang glider. The main guy was. So the guy's trying to steer with one hand while holding on to the other guy, who's <laughs> probably pretty frantic. Him. He's pulling on him, making it worse. Yeah. So now the guy can't really aim very well because he's got this other guy pulling on him, like, like get off me. Oh, god. my gosh. Yeah. Now, here's the landing, which was about 2 minutes and 14 seconds is what they said. The guy, oh. He actually falls. He breaks his wrist. It was say. like one of those weird spiral fractures. He had to get a plate. And, <laughs> like jumping yeah. out of but a car. But you know what? <laughs> Compared to falling at... 4,000 feet, I think he's, he, uh, did, he I, did pretty good. I'd take the 4,000. Aside yeah, from, I mean, he's, aside he's from just alive. that, he actually tore his bicep as well from oh. overstraining, oh. holding on. And that panic. sounds worse. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Pan but the, that just goes to show like the, the human adrenaline. body. He held on, and he's got a, he's holding 4,000, or he, he tore his uh, uh, bicep, but still held on. You know what I mean? What I, What is it? Like your body, you only access like 50% of your body strength. Like really? when, you're, when you're trying to do something, like your body can actually yeah. oh, yeah. go. Like, like you'll get a, in, a you shot can... of adrenaline and all of a sudden you can like roll a car or like lift a super huge rock because it's crushing your, your friends they or say, whatever. You they know? call it the mom strength. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they call it mom strength too though. There's been moms oh, that yeah. have lifted cars off of kids and stuff like that because they like were like. Tap into that. Yeah. Hidden, the, hidden the power. adrenaline gets Ryan, going. Ryan, like, made, like, a flirty face when he heard that. I was like, mom strength. He's like, whoa. <laughs> really? Girl, so, That's man. not what it was. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, it's probably not <laughs> podcast appropriate, yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, um, in pushing the borders on podcast appropriate, I guess, did you hear about the Christian... Um, uh, not a minister, but he's uh, a missionary. Missionary. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Um, he is a Christian missionary, and essentially what he did was he went out and uh, um, he went to this island, North Sentinelese Island. And I've been practicing. Saying, North Sentinel Island. The people there are Sentinelese. Nice. Yep. He's, he's right. Still he's right. Up. He practiced. I was so prepared. But anyhow. He went to this island, and it's off the coast of India, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I, I put some pictures together where you can actually see where it is. But uh, these people are the first people, this tribe, which is roughly um, anywhere from 50 to 150 people, um, are thought to be the ancestors of the first people to leave Africa. And huh. you can argue how old the earth is and how long people have been here. But according to the science, and I'm not going to get Fun into topic. all that. Yeah, no kidding. Um, they're saying my dad's like 10,000. Uh, Strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but they're saying that it was uh, 60,000 people, or 60,000 years ago, the people went to this island. Now, they're secluded. They're left alone completely. And um, they've been, um, they've actually been subject to disease over, over, they've been visited and then spread disease. And because they're so secluded, it's actually illegal to go within three miles of the shore. It might be five miles. I think it's three miles. <laughs> well, enter at your own I, risk. I, I had heard the. No, 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 it's not enter at your own risk. It's a felony. Yeah, no, you get it's legal trouble. But it's I illegal. Had, I had heard that their population was much like higher, significantly higher, and they're yep. down to like a hundred or so, something real small. Yeah, but it's because fifty like, to one hundred and fifty now. It's because their immune system can't handle. 
Yeah, so well, because they're so secluded, can. like measles will wipe them out. See, I, I feel like they're the kind of tribe where they probably have never had cancer due to like the uh, never being, con- or, you know, seen other. They're eating worlds. organic for sure. Well, just like <laughs> their body just doesn't. The things that or we ma- what yeah, they're yeah, affected you know, by is or different. because there's so few people on the island, are they like so interconnected? Like everyone's a third cousin. In you're saying inbred? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that, if that would negatively impact. Oh, good. you know what I mean. Good like, point. I don't, I don't well, apparently, so back and it's actually said that back in 2004, um, we went to go check on them after the hurricane. Not we personally. Not me personally, but they went oh, with that. a helicopter to check on them, and they shot arrows at the yeah, helicopter. They, they're like, the they, don't one, one they don't want helicopter. Yeah, they don't. You want know, help. you know what I like about this story is anytime we do a story, I like to look at like pros for the story and cons for the story different sides of it and i only found one for a lady from australia who was like really for what they were doing she's like you know what good they've got good border protection we should have that too in australia where i'm a they a said senator. Yeah, they have good they have she good goes, border protection. she goes good keep keep people who are different out this was like an extreme wow. senator lady from australia <laughs> she said she wants to she sought to have a ban against asians and muslims from coming into australia Whoa, really? and she used this as like yeah good 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 for them what party the australians are pretty uh, open <laughs> i thought i, I they, yeah. other than like, oh, other than with weather. guns yeah yeah, yeah they, they, they like they, guns they ruin guns so um but uh, so that's um, another. Yeah, I won't even. Conversation. I won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> We're going down them all. So essentially, they go to. Uh, they went. We went and checked on them in 2004. So this young missionary, he's 27 years old. Um, he had the idea that he wanted to go there and introduce them to Christianity, and he had in his book that um, uh, his journal. Uh, he was writing that uh, he wrote in there like, "Is this Satan's last stand on earth, where people have literally never heard about Jesus and things like that?" And like, you kind of have to give him credit for wanting to introduce people to Christianity, but it's illegal to go there for a reason. And there was fishermen that got him close enough. And then he paddled the rest of the way in mm-hmm. and, uh, um, he paddled in and, uh, he went there with his Bible and within seconds of getting on shore, Arrows. Is that my phone too, by the way, um, within seconds of arriving on shore, he was actually hit, uh, with a bunch of arrows and killed. And the fishermen said they actually saw him dragging the body wow. and burying it. And the thing is, they're aggressive towards it because they've been treated, those people have been treated poorly in the past. So they their only experience with outsiders is they bring disease and, and they do bad, bad take stuff to us. They do and, take advantage yeah. of us. That's, so, there could have been some pillaging back prote- in the day. Yeah, and they're protected for a reason. Um, and so they can't be tried for the murder because... It's illegal to go there in the first. Like, Is imagine it, establishing a government. Like, yeah, yeah there's no. It's just chaos. Well, so, I, you know, <laughs> you're under arrest. I, I guess get the, off our island. The guy had said though before he went. He said, "If I do get killed, do not blame them. Yeah, I, I know how dangerous it is, but I'm trying to bring them the word of God. Don't blame them for this if they do." Yeah, he wrote that in did. his journal. In the journal, so he goes there. And he, so now they're trying to figure out how to recover his body and stuff. What fascinated me about the story was my drive here. I was thinking about it, and I'm like driving, and I'm passing like fast food restaurants and stores and i'm driving a car and like all these different (laughs) things that like are no big deal to us those people don't know anything different than than what we knew as like like i don't want to say cavemen i i don't want to say magnum men like like hundreds of years like 
They we, probably don't even know that it's Christmas time. We at had all. so much more technology. <laughs> we had so much more technology in the Wild West with handguns. Yeah. I mean, they're so far behind, I guess you could say. But, like, from a culture standpoint, now imagine you're in that situation where you didn't know any of this stuff and everything was different and your whole life was different to what we know now. And you're there, and the only experience you have is like, there's apparently there's this guy in like the 1800s or the early 1900s that went there and like did like science experiments on them and like took weird provocative Ooh, sexual pictures it. of them and yeah. stuff like that and made them pose in weird ways and a bunch of people got diseases from the interaction and stuff and it was just a a really sick sick thing and, and you know what like probably three what four generations they're talking about now it. they're talking about that's it. like lore for them <laughs> don't ever trust anyone who comes to the island yeah, from the, the sea people that come people from, the, from the water are bad don't yeah. you know like yeah and that's like what they know and as their numbers diminish from diseases of the unknown and they know that when the people come they bring disease yeah so you really can't they don't it's like a kid that doesn't know what they did wrong you know what i mean I mean, they, they killed him, um, which is really <laughs> – and it's sad for him and his family and everything like that. But, like, you're not supposed to go to that island. And it's like you're supposed to tell him about God, but, like, where is the line and then what is what are you supposed to – and the Indian government is like, they're not going to be tried. Nothing's going to happen to them. Yeah. The fishermen – We told you not to go. Yeah, the fishermen, I mean – The f- fishermen that got him close, I don't know what whether it's true or not, but it's – I saw an article that said they were in trouble for dropping them off. And they're, the, no matter what, they're in trouble. Legally, big trouble. But one of the articles I read said they were going to be um, um, tried for his murder. Yikes. Really? Because it was by sending him there. You got to. You got to wonder. So I, 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 don't I don't know whether that'll shake out. That. But that's get what that. I, it is a different, <laughs> different world though on that side of the country, other world. You know? It's insane though. When we come back, we're actually going to be talking about an upcoming bear hunt, and that bear hunt is something that we know so little about. And we're actually going to identify what we do know and what we don't know. So maybe we'll actually have a good experience on this hunt. Stay tuned. (laughs) The Sportsman's Alliance works to protect your outdoor passions. For nearly four decades, the Sportsman's Alliance has fought to protect and advance hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting in all 50 state legislatures, in the courts, in Congress, and at the ballot box. The Sportsman's Alliance continues to be the leading organization fighting coast-to-coast against any legislation or action that threatens your outdoor heritage, while also proactively advancing legislation that allows more opportunities for sportsmen and their families. The future of our outdoor heritage rests with the passion of sportsmen. By becoming a member of Sportsman's Alliance, you'll take an important step to help protect and promote hunting, fishing, and trapping from attacks by animal rights activists. Join the Sportsman's Alliance today to create a powerful and unified voice for sportsmen across the country. Take the guesswork out of diver duck hunting with Jeremy Ullman of MI Guide Service. Offering everything you need for a successful hunt at great prices, you're sure to have a blast. We offer open water blind and layout hunts in Lake St. Clair, Saginaw Bay, as well as custom hunts in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. We've also got your fishing needs covered with trips available in every season. Go to miguideservice.com to book your hunt or fishing trip today. Eagle Review is the review and ratings platform for thousands of international shooting and fishing destinations for virtually every game species. It is free of charge and it helps you to find the perfect place and to book your fishing and shooting trips directly with the owner or agent. 
you can easily find unique places in virtually every corner of the world. Find your dream destination by selecting a location, a method, and the species that you are interested in. Once you've made a selection, you can easily compare destinations and find out what other people have to say about their experiences. It's the way to find your dream adventure, compare your options and choose your trip. You can then help others finding their dream adventure by writing your review. So join the community and share your passion. Eagle Review. Find your dream shooting and fishing destinations. Hot Shot Outfitters in Port Hope, Michigan is the destination for whitetail deer, crow, waterfowl, rabbit, predator, and turkey hunts. We have cabins, over 30,000 non-fenced acres, and a passion for delivering fair chase hunts to you and your family. Reserve your hunt at HotShotOutfitters.com today. Hello and welcome back to the Green Bay Outdoors podcast. I actually wanted to start this off with one more philosophical question before we get in the unknown bear hunt. Um, I skipped it uh, the last time and it was on my sheet and I actually bring it up because it's something I keep seeing. Um, so on on um, the Let Them Go, Let Them Grow page, there's like everybody posts their pictures of their deer and talks about like the stories and stuff like that. And I think I even saw this from the guys at Times Up Outdoors, which I'll touch on later. But essentially... I, I, from like a thought process of like what's right and wrong and what's what, apparently I disagree with everybody on this topic. So <laughs> that's good. So I'm going to tell you the story. You're on your property, you're deer hunting, and a deer comes in. You shoot the deer, deer runs off. You try and track the you deer. You hit the deer. Yeah, you hit the deer for sure. No question. You try and, you try and find the deer goes on to private property it's opening day you can't really do anything about it deer goes over there it's wandering around doesn't lays down for the day next morning somebody's out on their property deer comes into their stuff they shoot it kill it they can tell it's injured so now the deer's been shot twice they put it down they're the ones that killed it who has a right to the deer whose property was it on not not even who has who has a right to it i don't want to put it that way i want to put who should get the deer? Not 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 law, nothing none of that crap. Person who killed it. Yeah, person who killed Ethics. it. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree. So like that was my thought process is like who it makes logical sense to me for a few reasons. One, you don't necessarily know that someone else shot it and wounded it. You don't necessarily know these things and all those different variables. But in every scenario that I saw online, everybody was saying, Oh, I shot a deer and put it down and obviously returned it to the person who shot it first or was obviously this or obviously that. And I saw like five or six scenarios where that was. And it's like, that's a cool thing to do. Like yeah. being the bigger. Like bless being your the, heart. Yeah, bless your heart. And I'm not saying that it's, it just to me would make sense. It's like whoever killed it gets it. It's like just because like they shot it in the side or something like that or the butt or made a poor shot or because they didn't kill yeah, it. Yeah, sorry. It's just, it's not even, it's not even like, uh, sorry. It's like. It just makes sense that the person who got it, that they would claim it to me. I, I Off the bat, right away. But yeah. nobody agrees with me. That's well, what do you think about this? So your scenario is that it you shot it, it walks off, you can't recover it, move on. The next shooter the next day shoots it. What if you shoot it, it kicks, walks off onto another property. Five minutes later, a guy sees a deer kind of like, uh, sad walking, and sad shoots walk. it. 
Well, it's on his property, so it's his. Is it, it you didn't even give the deer the opportunity to lay down in normal, you know, deer hunting process, right? That's like a that's like a super so, isolated. Yeah, well, I, well I've seen it happen before. It's, it's happened to my not an opening day. It's um, happened to my um, dad before on our farm at Down Jackson. I th- I'm pretty sure it was him. Him or my cousin shot a deer, ran off. Someone else. The thing was bleeding like crazy. You could, there was blood all running down the side of it. You knew it was shot. Someone else shot it, and then that's when it went down. And they're like, well, it's my deer. I shot it last. So, I mean, that happens. I had a deer stolen from me. Yeah, I feel like that's just... Yeah, I, I, I And that was... A, and I guess then I would be like, kind of took claim to it. So, it was... Uh, um, we were at Christie's house, and I shot a doe, um, and I shot it, and it took it, like, and it... walked real slowly onto the um, other property behind us and I was like it's going to lay down right over there and I waited like 20 minutes to a half hour because I'm like got it It, you know I couldn't see all the way through to the other side of the other property and the other property was like a field that bordered up to our our woods there was it an old man (laughs) I'll tell you what happened so I waited a half hour I tell Jeff yeah I got one real big doe I'm excited for sure um, he, I think he even came over to help. Mm-hmm. Comes over to help, walks up the hill. I'm like, there's no question. <laughs> it's there. It's that you know. It so, walked off real like they they may run, and then you're like, oh no, what if it keeps running? Like it, it, she, it from what he said, just kind of like walked off. I, I know when I shoot a deer. I, I've shot you know yeah. a lot of deer to know. So I go over there. <laughs> you're so Mr. big guy. <laughs> yeah. well, that Willy Wonka meat or Willy Wonka? Yeah, Willy Wonka meat. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell me all about it? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so you shot 15 deer? Tell me again why you're a pro. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we go over there, and uh, um, we get to the fence line, and there's uh, a truck driving off the field. And the way the crops were, it was like, was it crops or even grass? You could see the path. He drove up to our fence line and then drove out of there. And that was it, and that's right where the deer went. You never saw the guy? I saw him pulling away. Yeah, walking up. Did you see what he looked like? No, I because I know I saw his old truck. I'm right by Christie's house, and we there's been run-ins with a guy that lives right by her, who is just he's a mean old man. Yeah, I I Mm. I I genuinely I mean it was right where the deer went. I followed the trail right to it, right there. I think she laid down right on that fence line. It was like the perfect. It was everything. I think he stole it. Was it under the power lines? It it would have been in the woods more, across. Yeah, I think it was him then. Yeah, I think <laughs> I know who the guy is. We're on to you. Tell him I'm on to him. Yeah. So anyhow, but in that scenario where it's like I shot the deer in like your scenario, I was pretty sure it's going to die or it goes over and dies. Mm-hmm. Recovering a deer is one thing, but like the person who shoots a deer that's about to lay down and die, anyhow, it's that's dumb. But in the situation where it's like if you shot it and it went over and died, it's like I, to me whoever finished it should get it. But, yeah, but I, I would apparently agree. I'm the only person that thinks that I, way. No, I, th- I, I think it's like that unless you're the type of person where you're out trying to look for people. Like if you see some, if you hear a gunshot, then a deer goes flying past you. That deer might have been shot. Don't be like the guy who's like, I'm gonna shoot it just well, so it's mine. Who's shooting running? Deer? Well, I mean, then you're, who's shooting you're running, running deer? deer? Yeah, so. Who knows? There's five in Michigan. There's five hundred thousand people out there hunting. Yeah, but how can you make an ethical running shot? There's all sorts of people that's outside, like, uh, <laughs> out hunting. That's like uh, the guy we used to duck hunt with, who you'd go out, your duck comes I in, hate this story. you shoot it, the duck starts falling, and then he would shoot it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Extra feathers come off and stuff, and you're like, what on earth? He goes, oh, no, I got that one. Like, 
No, I shot it first. <laughs> it's gone. And then you shot it. He goes, all right, you can have it. You can have it. What do you mean? Don't you take this from me. Don't you dare. So not only does he ruin the fact that you you got a duck, now it's weird. And on top of that, He's letting he you have the, it. Well, no, and he shot the crap out of your duck, so now the meat is possibly ruined. And it's like, like a consistent thing he would do, and it drove me up the wall. <laughs> did, did you say anything to him? Yeah, I yelled at him. Good. <laughs> ruining That's hunting. A, yeah. We quit hunting with him. <laughs> ruining hunting. Good. It's like a long-term friend we don't hunt anymore. with anymore. <laughs> we were not. Yeah. Then we met him at a furniture store once. Now you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You went with me to pick uh-huh. up the couch and stuff. Thanks. Thanks for that, by the way. You're welcome. Two um, years later. So Mon- <laughs> Monday, we actually are going to get in our brand new 2019 loaded up Ram truck, and we are going to be headed up, nope, down to West Virginia, which apparently is only like seven hours from us in Michigan. For whatever mm-hmm. reason, I pictured West Virginia being like a yeah. huge haul. But we're going there for our first ever black bear hunt. We've been invited to the Boy Scouts to hunt on some private property where there's apparently a lot of bears. Now, here's the scenario. Mm-hmm. There is no baiting allowed in West Virginia, at least where we are. I don't think there is anywhere, but specifically where we're at, there's no baiting and no use of dogs for black bears. This is the late season because it's December that we're going to be there. It's a late season right before they go into hibernation. So they're real fat. <laughs> I just picture wild America when they're looking for the bears. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I've never bear hunted before. I don't have a clue about how to butt bear hunt. But what I do know is this. These are the scenarios. The bears during the peak season uh, come in all the time to the Boy Scout camp because they're um, the they what season? Peak camping season and stuff oh, like that. This okay. is a, a big camp campground. It's the biggest one. It's the Bechtel Reserve, which is uh, um, it's just a hu- it's like they host over fifty thousand kids in this facility uh, for their big event during the summer. It's a lot of people. the summit. It's huge. So anyhow, they've got like thousands and thousands of acres far away from the boy scouts you know far away from that but it's all surrounding the property super secluded it's in the mountains absolutely gorgeous you're going to love it now here's the thing they the bears come in all the time to the dumpsters to raid the dumpsters so here's my thought process we'll go there and the day one we'll go to the dumpsters to like see what we're seeing and see where they're coming from just to get like a there's something to me about watching the animal before you kill it it's like steve ranello was talking about i always like this he's talking about the people in no the people in africa he's like it always amazed me like the people that go on those africa safari and go wow that's what one of those looks like (laughs) (laughs) it's like you you like want to observe the animal first so it's like absolutely i want to go to the dumpsters and hopefully they'll come in (laughs) i want to observe them at the dumpsters my first thought is pineapple express we just hunt out of the dumpster why because i'm in the dumpster already (laughs) (laughs) no the idea is so i can see how they're getting to the dumpster where they're coming from yeah so we can try and track them down they're probably probably coming from the woods one would speak probably. <laughs> well, the, I'm so glad we have Ryan to help. No, us. they come from the zoo. That's where they keep bears. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's where they keep bears. Um, he's a teddy bear. <laughs> um, yeah, careful on that one. But um, so my idea is, if we can monitor them, see where they're coming from and where they're going. They're coming in at night, and they have to shoot them with rubber bullets all the time to get them away from the dumpsters. It's yeah. like so you'll, you'll probably find it. I would assume a path like a like a like a trail in the woods where they're consistently going. Where we can cut them off when it's still daylight. And yeah, we, yeah. Well, we're hunting them with a knife, right? Shut up. <laughs> no, Re- I'm, style. I'm actually excited. I wanted to go kind of old school with this for for shooting, and that's like one of the cool things about the hunting shows. Though is they all use like 
bolt action rifles. I guess it'd be the uncool thing for me. I'm really excited. I'm using my dad's 4570 cowboy gun lever action. Lever action. But a 4570 is a big. Is that uncle. a rifle? Yeah, it's like think of it, for you, AJ. Think of it like a cowboy gun where they shoot and then rack like that. Oh yeah, flips over the shoulder. <laughs> I remember those. Like if Clint Eastwood was gonna bear hunt. The bear. Okay. The bear's coming in. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, you scared the bear off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Should have used that bolt action. <laughs> like, <laughs> the lever action scared him off. <laughs> not, a, not enough uh, room in this town for the both of us. <laughs> yeah. Get off my dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Clint Eastwood reference. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, but I'm actually pretty excited ab- about learning and cutting them off. But there's going to be someone there that shows me the property and shows me uh, kind of like what they frequent and what they do. But, you know, I'm making it sound like we're hunting like you know in a populated area keep in mind it's like the boy scout reserve while a humongous field, so they have thousands and thousands of acres there so we're going to be in a pretty secluded area yeah, there's not where the bears actually are but tracking them down on foot and like learning how to bear hunt on the fly will be something that i'm, pr- I'm pretty excited about but one of the things too is like identifying male and female um mm-hmm. bear uh, like black bears and like the size of them i'm not out there for a trophy right so if anything i would like a medium-sized bear that isn't too big that and would whatever taste tastes good and doesn't I have trigonosis oh well i read i read that that like the shape of their head is how you tell whether they're like older or younger because the younger ones have more it's like the opposite of deer for me you see a deer and you see the little short nose oh that's a young one if it's by itself and you can't judge by other deer how big it is well with a bear i guess the not necessarily the longer the nose, but the the head is much broader on an older one. So if you made like a triangle from the ears to the nose, uh, a younger one has a real narrow little triangle, and an old one has like a big broad triangle. Hmm. The, the young ones have like sticky outy ears more. Sticky outy ears. Sticky outy ears. Word of the day. My plan is for the eight hour drive is just to listen to how tos. <laughs> <laughs> how to shoot a deer. Just how just to listen to Steve Ranella podcasts on how to. And whatever bear hunt. Does he they talk did. about how to bear hunt specifically? I'm sure it's. I'm, I'm sure it's in a smattering of like 18 different episodes for like two or three minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it though. I, I, the bear hunt itself to have that new experience. I think too for the audience is like, and we've always been pretty passionate about this. We are not experts on everything. How could anybody be experts on everything? You know, we hunt. We hunt and fish. We're doing an iguana episode. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what you use to hunt iguanas, but I know that the audience is going to learn right along with us. And I think that this big game and this difficult hunt and this physical de- physically demanding hunt and not only that i'm using a gun where we got to get in within 100 yards yeah. so it, we, you know tight quarters it's still that's safe crazy. that's still safe it's still safe. aj's like yeah i can't wait <laughs> um but it's it's i don't know it's just to have the audience learn along with us where it's like i may do stuff that like the audience is gonna be like what an idiot but I, I don't know, yeah. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. And that's, that's one of the cool things about the, the show that I think is, like, we're true to that. You, you for sure can't do, a uh, like, any kind of running shot or even maybe a moving shot. Have you ever seen a bear, like, run? How fast. quick it can get They're going. Quick, it's quick because it's so big you would think that it, like, takes a while to get going. But it's like, boom, and then you watch it run, and it looks weird because it, it's – you a see lot's it happening. moving. It's almost like a moonwalk. You see it running, but it's just kind of like gliding across. Yeah, and like, no, they're fast, though. I wonder. They, they are fast. And here's the thing about bears. Have you I, seen The Revenant? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, watch a movie, Jack. No, um, <laughs> there's two things that they do when they're shot, a bear will do. If you shoot them – Get very angry. They'll run straight forward wherever they're facing. Or B, and more common, according to what I read – 
is they circle back around whatever hit them. So, like, if they get bit in their side, they'll do a circle to come back around to try and get you back. So they'll circle around. That's why I thought the lever action was cool with the peep sights without a scope because, to me, you make the shot, and it's like for close quarters, like a brush gun, you shoot from the hip. you're ready to go and <laughs> shoot from the hip. <laughs> well, ready to go we, we were texting about it earlier over the phone, mm-hmm. bringing like, extra sidearms just in case. Oh, yeah. yeah you will need them. You don't know. You just got to No, be. you'll need them. This is, a, this, is, this is a big thing. And I'm not trying to like ham it up and make it something it's not like, you yeah. know, we're probably going to die or something. No, no. But it, I don't but think it, anyone would argue I mean, you're that. at a Boy Scout camp, so obviously <laughs> yeah. it's safe. Again, it's not at the Boy Scout camp. It's <laughs> off on the property. But Yeah, sure. sure. You know, you're, you're like, whatever helps you sleep at night, you're shooting them off the dumpster. <laughs> no, I'm going to talk about our tip of the week, and this is something that Jeff and I talk about all the time because we count down to the, the day every year where we can actually ice fish. So today's tip of the week is based on ice thickness. So this is for near clear ice or new ice. So it's got to be clear and it's got to be new, okay? And how thick does new clear ice have to be in order to go on it? So four inches is good for an individual fisherman just sitting on a bucket chilling. Five to seven inches of good clear ice is good for a snowmobile and an ice shanty. So you can be in there with your heater on and everything like that. Honestly, I've done that in four inches, and <laughs> yeah. I'm still here. But yeah. I've also gone through the ice three times, so I'm not exactly like I don't mess with that. that. Which, yeah, Jeff, Jeff and I, Jeff and I have gone out when we go. We'll wear waders because you know we're going to go through in the beginning. <laughs> but once we get out to the safe <laughs> stuff, we'll be fine. The, the weird thing is, I don't remember where we were, but we were near some kind of a bay, and we look out and like, oh, cool, look, there's ice, there's ice forming, there's people out there. They're fishing, and you can see, like, the shelf of ice, and then there's just water after that. It's like, it hasn't even frozen over yet. Wow. There's really? people out there on a no bucket. Way. It's like, yeah, that, I mean, there's got to be maybe two, two and a half inches tops. I don't want to be the guy on the news that's, like, needs a helicopter to come get me. Yeah, I really don't, don't want to be that guy. Want that. But, all right, four inches, good for an individual fisherman. Five to seven inches, good for a snowmobile and a shanty. Eight to 12 inches of good ice is supposedly good enough for a car, and 12 to 15 is good enough for a pickup truck. However, it was really funny. We went ice fishing one time, and I called my dad. I said, Dad, we're on Lake Lancelot. I'm like, everybody's driving. It's a really long walk to where the fish are, and everybody's dro- dr- like drove their truck out. It's funny. Like, no, no matter how old you get, you still got to call your dad to be like, this feels dumb. What do you think? Yeah. And he goes, and it, without hesitation, he goes, nope, nope, <laughs> nope. And I was like, but there's, there's 20 inches. I Nope. Nope. It, One tire touches the ice, and imme- anywhere after that, your warranty is void. You have no insurance. Yeah, if anything that's happens, true. you that are true. screwed. Yeah. So, so tip, of, tip of the week. Not to do it. <laughs> tip of the week, that's what you need for ice thickness and insurance. Don't uh, don't void your insurance. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you get we, ice insurance. We went out, and, and Kyle's like, you know what? Normally, it's like, ah, that's dumb. We shouldn't do that. But it was, what was that, like five, six years ago now, we had the longest winter. We ice fished from November, November December, to April. Yep, November. So half of a year yep. we ice fished. In Michigan, and southeast was, Michigan. It was like mid-January. He goes, there is, it took us forever just to get fishing because it was like 24 inches of ice. Something stupid. He goes, <laughs> we the can drive a truck on. on this. I go, nope. Not doing nope. it. Your truck, I, I mate, agree. But you're driving it and I'm not getting in it. <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> the auger could only go through like. 18 inches and then you had to spud the rest oh god and that last bit is the hardest (laughs) yeah that last oh man always the hardest when we come back we're actually going to learn why deer need insurance policies during the winter because if you feed them during the winter 
you can kill them. And here's why. Stay tuned. ago that two millennials and lifelong best friends set out on a mission to protect the future of conservation. At the present moment, 60% of hunting and fishing licenses and conservation organization memberships are sold to white males over the age of 55. What many don't realize is these sales and memberships are what protect our waterways, wetlands, fisheries, our data collection, our species sustainability efforts, our forest, the Department of Natural Resources and anti-poaching efforts. The $373 billion outdoor industry is looking for the answer to attract millennials and Generation Z. Welcome to the Greenway Outdoors. Inspiring millennials and Generation Z to hunt, fish, and practice conservation efforts is not through traditional outdoor TV. We have to reach them the way they want to be reached, and that's through entertaining and educational reality TV show content. And to reach the masses that we need to protect the future of conservation and the outdoor industry, we have to take it mainstream, and the Greenway Outdoors will do it. Okay. When you... When you Frantically move your feet, I'll pull you back out. Okay. He'll click with your feet, and I'll help him pull you out. You want his right leg or his left leg? Uh, the right one smells worse. I'll take it because I already <laughs> That's know. the one that pee runs down. <laughs> what? We hold his legs apart. We go click your heels when you want to come out. <laughs> Got cold hands. I'll, I'll stop. It's in my bag. It's in my, it's in my thing. Why don't you, you dig it out because I don't... It's gonna be at like the bottom and there's all kind of snacks. Don't touch the snacks. <laughs> well, snacks aren't for you. <laughs> those snacks aren't meant for you. Oh, berries, we could probably eat these. Yeah, eat those. Please. Yeah, eat them. Please, 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 please eat them. Please eat them. Uh, we need the ratings, just eat them. Nip the steel, I try to get at you. Poke him like it's hot. <laughs> all right, now I'm done. The True Reality Show platform offers tons of laughs, and each episode teaches a specific tactic for a specific species. In a 30-minute program, we cover the conservation of the species, the gear needed for the tactic, the actual hunting and fishing trip, a Bible lesson, and we show you how to cook it. An action-packed, hilarious, but educational show millennials love.
Welcome back to the Greenway Outdoors podcast. Thank and you. We're taught. <laughs> Shut up. That's why I don't even like them. Yeah. That's, a, that's why I don't Can like you just them. go home? <laughs> Get out of here, right. We're going to talk about killing them with kindness. That was the, the title of this article. I made one joke. No, not you. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was your reference. Wow. <laughs> Good segue. According to this press release issued by the New Hampshire Department of Fish and Game, citizens in the town of Southampton found six dead whitetails in a wooded suburban lot on March 20th. This is a couple of years ago. And... They were found dead, and they were concerned because they thought it might be poaching, might be this, but there was no bullet holes or anything like that. So they were trying to figure out what was wrong with it. So if you're an animal lover and you have a long winter and you see these deer and you're like, man, they got to be hungry. This winter is lasting way too long. It's March 20th, and there's so much snow, and they're still not eating. Now, a lot of people don't realize, like, the reserves for deer through the winter are pretty strong. They can live three or four months in a harsh winter, and a lot of them, the success rate on healthy deer is pretty good. They eat, they survive just off eating woody wooded browse is what they call them like, yeah, like you, these little buds that they you watch them just walk around and peruse on like grasses and no not grasses browse <laughs> I've watched them eat grasses just browse grasses during the winter just browse they're browsing for grasses nice <laughs> nope nice. I, I, really, I really want to make sure we keep this factual woody woody shrubs no nope, just that. Like that just that in yeah. the winter so that's what they eat all just that. wooded browse all of those things. <laughs> so, hey, no, I watched them eat grass. There's snow. I'm talking about in the winter. I'm going to yeah. kill you. The dead of winter. So in, in February, they're eating all the luscious grass that is out. In the grass. heather. Do you know how grass works? Can we let this go? <laughs> they eat wooded browse in the winter and not much else. What is that? They're, they're like the know. little the little buds at the end of like sticks. Okay. And like little browse. Oh, yeah. yeah I it looks about. like a little yeah. teardrop on them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they eat those. Okay. okay? And not much else. <laughs> Nothing Stupid else. Stupid Jeff. Now, during the winter, they'll eat those, and their body kind of goes into like a slow-mo kind of situation. Hibernation. And it takes deer weeks to actually absorb nutrients from a food source. Without They have to establish the eating of it. So if like they're going to start eating carrots, they need to like build themselves up to it. Oh, hmm. to like start like yeah, collecting the, that the nutrients from that. That's correct, interesting. Correct. Mm-hmm. So in order to feed deer, like corn and stuff like that through the winter, you would have to be very consistent with it in small amounts throughout the entire winter. But when people see them hungry in like February and uh, March, they're like, oh, those guys, are, those guys are hungry. So we should feed them because it's been a really long winter and I want to help the survival rate and you feel bad for them and you want to feed them and they're hungry and bring them inside and warm them up and love them and kiss them. So what happens is they, they fed them corn and because of that, the um, the need to to di- they were unable to digest the corn in the large amounts. It overloaded their system and killed them. Hmm. Yeah. So those six deer, those are some of the deer right there that died because they died. They because, died all right next to each other because That's they weird. were fed. It's also <laughs> well, hay has a lot of protein in it as well, and people will put out like hay for them in the winter as well, and that that fibery protein <laughs> that wipes them out is yeah. too much. So like. They're almost in like it's not ketosis, I don't think. But is it, is it it's, it's a there's like a you know the woody stuff that they're eating is real high fiber. They go from eating high fiber f- browse. I heard they uh, eat grass. <laughs> grasses. Uh, <laughs> they switch, you know, heather actual grasses they grow in the wintertime, uh, and they switch to the low fiber, high carb corn. Yeah. Uh, you know, sugar beets, things that people put out. High sugar. So high is, is this threat strictly wintertime for people that? 
Yeah, you know? pretty much. I mean, you can you don't want to overload their system with anything brand new at any time, really. Interesting. Yeah. But it's very common to have like alfalfa fields and like food plots and stuff like that all the time, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So like you build food plots and things like that. But if they, so, they eat that throughout the year. But if you blindside them with a huge energy source of food, Mountain they're going to stick around because then they don't got to walk around for the food. But then oh, they'll yeah. eat it, they'll overwhelm themselves, and yeah. they'll, they'll literally die. So oh, yeah. I wonder how many other animals that applies to. Like I don't know. Elk, like it's. I would assume for most cervids. Yeah, from. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, cervids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so from what I read, quick, reasonable, <laughs> reasonable word to use. A lot of a lot of you know deer, elk, moose, and then farm animals like cow, sheep. Anything with cloven hooves uh, so you can be caused by... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what, was like this, what was the other science Ooh. that you got on this? Why don't you go ahead and, and talk about Carry on. Uh, Teach us. Um, it's called corn toxicity, which causes acidosis or enterotoxemia. Yeah. Nice. I was going to say that. Very Latin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Causes uh, increase in pH or a decrease in pH, something to do with the pH, and then that affects like they get dehydrated and um, bacteria can grow in their gut called Clostridium perfringens. Okay, nice. Yeah, right? Everyone will retain this. And, uh, and then there's two, <laughs> that, that builds up toxins in the system and then they die in a pile. So the long story short, do not, fe- you know, do not feed deer. Um, during the winter because you're not going to benefit them. You're only going to hurt Leave them. Leave them alone. Absolutely. So I want to actually go into our social media comment of the week. Um, and that comment actually comes from Time's Up Outdoors. And it's pretty simple. It was just happy Thanksgiving, guys. And that was my Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on, hold Good on. One. There's something to this. So the guys at Time's Up Outdoors are actually a group of guys that are um, getting their start the way that we did four years ago. And they've gotten together. They're a group of firemen. And they're oh, all yeah. firefighters out of their own place, and they saved up, bought cameras, got all this stuff together, and now they're filming um, their own little versions of, um, you know, outdoor TV shows. They've been nothing but supportive to us. They've shared our podcast. Yeah, that's true. They've gone out of their way for us, and uh, I just want to let them know that I appreciate them. So if you are listening, go to Instagram, go to Facebook, and follow Times Up Outdoors. They're really good guys, good firemen. Um, they're our first responders. They go into fires when nobody else does. And on top of that, they've got uh, some pretty cool content on their website. There's a, um, a goose episode I watched on there um, that they put together. That's a pretty good job. I think it's a lot better than our first episode. So um, <laughs> cheers to them. Even their Instagram has some pretty good videos. Yeah, little... and they're just, they're just good people. So yeah. go to Time's Up Outdoors. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just wanted to give them a shout-out, and I appreciate them. When we come back, we're actually going to be talking about our Thanksgiving turkey that Jeff raised. Stay tuned. Riverside Charters, located in Manistee, Michigan, offers guided fishing trips year-round. We target steelhead, chinook, and coho salmon, and brown and lake trout. Fish the big lake on our 38-foot tiara or the Manistee River on our enclosed and heated 22-foot Rivermaster jet boat. We do all the heavy lifting for you so you and your buddies can focus on catching the fish. We'll even clean and bag your catch for you. Find out more at riversidecharters.com. Jenks Pheasant Farm in Silverwood, Michigan has been family owned and operated for more than 20 years. We provide realistic upland bird hunt opportunities for any experience level. We have seasoned guides and dogs eager to make your hunt a success. Explore our fields thick with sorghum, canary grass, and good old weeds, which are great for bird cover. We have creeks to help beat the heat during early season 
and we'll even clean your birds for you when you're done. Book your hunt now at jankspheasantfarm.com. The Sportsman's Alliance works to protect your outdoor passions. For nearly four decades, the Sportsman's Alliance has fought to protect and advance hunting, fishing, trapping, and shooting in all 50 state legislatures, in the courts, in Congress, and at the ballot box. The Sportsman's Alliance continues to be the leading organization fighting coast-to-coast against any legislation or action that threatens your outdoor heritage, while also proactively advancing legislation that allows more opportunities for sportsmen and their families. The future of our outdoor heritage rests with the passion of sportsmen. By becoming a member of Sportsman's Alliance, you'll take an important step to help protect and promote hunting, fishing, and trapping from attacks by animal rights activists. Join the Sportsman's Alliance today to create a powerful and unified voice for sportsmen across the country. Do you run or own a hunting, shooting, or fishing travel service? And do you want to expand your international client base? Become a host on eaglereview.com. Join the fastest growing free online hosting community for hunting and fishing services in the world. Easily create your own page. And don't forget to share your best pictures and videos. On Eagle Review, you can share your contact information, your website, and links to your social media accounts so you can generate more traffic than ever before. After hiring your services, guests can leave reviews on your page to help you build a good reputation. Now that's marketing. No middleman. You are in direct contact with your clients. Need any help setting up your page? Our team of passionate hunting, shooting, and fishing enthusiasts are standing by to help you out. So go to eaglereview.com now and get started. I'm Dean Stovall, Whitney's Almost Everything Outdoors. We are the premier guide service on Lake Whitney for striper fishing, hog hunts, duck hunts, and crappie fishing. We can sleep up to 30 people, our house rentals just a short walk away from the water. A gift certificate for one of our hunting or fishing packages makes the perfect gift for that hard to shop for guy in your life. Go to waeoutdoors.com and book your hunting fishing trip today. Hot Shot Outfitters in Port Hope, Michigan is the destination for whitetail deer, crow, waterfowl, rabbit, predator, and turkey hunts. We have cabins, over 30,000 non-fenced acres, and a passion for delivering fair chase hunts to you and your family. Reserve your hunt at HotShotOutfitters.com today. Hello and welcome back to the Greenway Outdoors podcast. I am excited because tomorrow we pick up our brand new 2019 Ram truck. Then Friday, we drive up north. We're going to be with Ray and finally do the muskrat episode, which we Mm -hmm. talked about last week on the podcast. If you didn't listen, shame on you. Go listen. Go listen. That was good. We talked about some good stuff. Yeah, I'm actually pretty excited about the muskrat trapping. And he's like, yeah, we'll get a couple hundred. And Ray, AJ's like, we need six for footage. (laughs) (laughs) Which we still can get four. Who knows? I don't don't listen to anybody. there's There's a lot of them up there. I was surprised at how what the numbers are, how many he takes, and in how that ditches. doesn't even dent the, the population. And there's just that many, and he's helping farmers, and it's very bizarre. I'm kind of excited to try one. 
Yeah, me too. And like use the fur for something. I want some gloves. I want some gloves. We got a couple right. hundred. We can make some weird stuff. Yeah. Who's, who's eating the musk gland? Yikes. Ooh. Rock, I'll paper, just use scissors. it for perfume. Rock, paper, scissors <laughs> on who has to eat the musk gland. No, thank yeah. you. No, that's beaver. I don't know that it works on... Yeah, I would, they're very well, similar, but... We'll try it. Yeah, we'll try. I mean, we'll just throw it, splash it on each other. <laughs> we don't have any luck with women, anyyways. So <laughs> yeah, that doesn't matter. Something out. Um, I like that, yeah. Jeff. For Thanksgiving, you did something that I've. I when I go out and hunt, the idea is I know that that animal got to live a fulfilled life, and I didn't get attached to it. I actually think I may have trouble raising something and then butchering it, and eating it. But Jeff, apparently, you're the monster that doesn't care. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what, so that's what everyone says. They're like, "How could you raise an animal and then and then kill it and and eat it?" And I'm like, the "Turkey." I didn't name it. It's not like, "Oh no, not Bernadette." I, kill I it. think nice. it's like if, if you no. get it with that. I purpose. named our turkey yeah. for Christmas. I, Howard. I, 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 ra- I bought a turkey with the express intent of of raising it for Thanksgiving. I wanted to have my own turkey. That again, I knew similar to hunting, I, I knew... That's because he's not good enough to hunt one. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I, I knew what it ate. I know that it, it didn't live in a little box like a lot of the ones that you get from the store. You know, it actually got the opportunity. I've got a pen in the backyard. It lived. You know, like I... I raised it. It's expensive to feed that thing. You were getting frustrated. So I've got 10 chickens and then the one turkey. Well, now I don't have the turkey anymore. And that one turkey would eat more than the other 10 chickens combined. Wow. Jeez. How big did it get? It, uh, well, when I killed it, I had to pick it up with two hands and I had to, in order to pick it up. So So 10 pounds? It was nice. I'm full of them. I'm full of them. That was great. Probably close, somewhere between 40, 50 pounds. A turkey? Wow. Yeah. What did you just say? 40, 50 pounds? I doubt that uh, so no, highly. That's I'm not the kidding. dumbest thing I've ever heard. Not that's kidding. heavier than my dog. Not, the, no, 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 no. Now we lose credibility on the show. Idiot. An average turkey, no. when you put it on the table, no. is 8 to 10 pounds. Yep. Yeah. My turkey. Did yours eat that one yeah. twice? Literally, it did. I'm going to say that that my thing was 25 pounds. My turkey was three to four times the size of the one that my aunt put out for Thanksgiving. For her Thanksgiving, okay. My turkey was at least thirty pounds. So okay, you not kidding. Thirty Erroneous. pounds. Thirty, 30 pounds. pounds. That's no. Unbelievable. I believe thirty. I believe thirty. I don't, I don't believe, believe double that. I don't believe double that. Have you ever gutted a, tur- a, a turkey before? I've gutted a turkey. You know how much the guts weigh plus the carcass? Thirty pounds. There you go. <laughs> Twenty pounds. <laughs> okay. Besides that, so anyways, how did the taste compare? It was. Yeah, that's a good the, question. One of the best. Yeah, lie about that too. I've ever had. It's got to be. So I took, it was big enough that I took each half, which was bigger than my, more meat than my One half was 40 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) I got my 90 pound bird on the kitchen table. One half of the the turkey was bigger than my aunt's 8 to 10 pound turkey. So I took half of it. You got it. You can't ruin Thanksgiving. (laughs) You made her look bad. (laughs) Is she even really your aunt? Go ahead, Joe. No, we're all eager. I did half of the turkey in a uh, sweet and smoky dry rub. That sounds really good. Delicious. I did nice. the other half in a garlic butter. Nice. I injected it with garlic nice. butter. So much so that when I put the thermometer in to check the temperature and pulled it out, it bled. Why don't want people to do butter. that? It went. I love garlic I butter. I wish more people did that. So it was. It I wish was, more people did it that. It was butter, garlic, good. oregano, 